Welcome to Free and Figuring It Out, a weekly podcast hosted by two Brits, Sherelle Griffith and Verity Brown, on a mission to support, empower and reassure fellow independent millennial women that they can be self-sufficient, successful and seen. Hello and welcome back to Free and Figuring It Out. It has been a while since you just heard me and Verity talking to you, just as us, because we've just finished our Figuring Money Out mini-series, which was six amazing weeks. We had five weeks with amazing guests talking about all things like budget in debt, saving, finance, investing, I'm saying financing, investing, <laughs> but so many great, great, great conversations. And then the last episode was all us doing our top 10 tips of things that we've learned from the whole series. So if you haven't checked it out, go back have a listen but we are glad to be back and just have a normal chit chat how are you yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm good I'm good I know it feels a while since we've done this normal free and figuring out episode so yeah excited to jump back into it well I will kick off because it has been actually May was quite a big month for me I finally after six months finally moved yay oh yay um so I finally moved I got everything back out of storage which was just like never felt so happy just to see all my books all my books are back I'm like happy happy woman and it meant that I did what I realized for the first time to my figuring it out was how to paint my room because I've actually never painted my own room so I realized the last time I'd had like a painted room that was like a color would have been when I was a child and so my mum would have done it for me. <laughs> mm. And actually it was like really quite hard. So I just, I'd gone on Pinterest and I decided like the look I wanted to go for my room. And I wanted to quite a dark blue because I really wanted to try and make a room that was like relaxing and I could sleep in. Because I was like, this room is just for like sleeping. So let's try and actually make someone that sleeps because anyone that listens knows I don't sleep the best. So I'm trying to change that. And I thought, let's do it. But you know, so I was like looking and I had to like go to all those different shops and choose them, find the blues, put them all on the wall. And then just like the palaver of trying to do like, I had to learn, I learned about sugar soap in the walls, mm-hmm. in the walls, like just when my, my friend came around, like my friend luckily came to help me. So I'd like put everything out, like done all the prep. She's like, well, you've done a very good job. This is very neat masking tape. And I was just like, oh my gosh, if I have to do it, like I have no patience. Like I really, but I really tried because I was like, this is important. Like attention to detail is really important. So I really tried and I tried to follow everything online. But yeah, it felt like a real big, even though I've done some sort of DIY things before, there was something about trying to paint a whole room thinking this is your whole space. I felt quite daunting but I'm very happy it's all finished and I'll have like a dark blue wall and my white skirting boards and my white windowsill because I have a windowsill I've not had a windowsill for six years so this makes me very excited the simple things in life there's no windowsills in London (laughs) well so I did my flat had three glass areas let's say two of them were floor length one didn't Mm. have a windowsill but um, my bedroom didn't my I had floor length um uh windows so unfortunately but now I have a windowsill so yeah it's all done all very exciting has definitely inspired me to have more color in my life like I definitely think even though I'm a very colorful person I've terribly brought into the whole all white lifestyle 
of a house, but that has changed. And also quite a few of my friends have been like, oh, I've been inspired by you. So there you go. I'll have to send, uh, put a little on the gram, show you my blue, my blue bedroom. So go over to Green it out, check it out. <laughs> I did see a little glimpse of it on a reel. You, you did. did. It looks beautiful. I love, I love that colour so much. And I think it is a lovely, like, you know, let's face it, we're women in our thirties. I, you know, so my, when I, because I did the same as you did, I decorated my bedroom myself for the first time. I had to Google everything. So I was like, oh my gosh, I realized I don't know any clue how to do all of this. And I did it uh, like 2016. Mm. Um, and mine's like soft pinks and greys, but you know, I'm kind of a pink girl, but it's hard if you're not a pink girl, or if you don't want to go down the Mrs. Hinch grey route, it is like, oh, what's the, what's a colour that you you can um do that is really really beautiful so yes big well done on that one it, it looks lovely and you can share some photos on the gram um so while you've been figuring out how to paint your room I've been figuring out being a queer woman without really a like queer female community around me so um it was Blackpool Pride, which actually wasn't on because of COVID, but it was done like virtually. Um, and so they encouraged everyone to sort of celebrate it. It was all on YouTube. So the whole point was you'd go to a pub, a gay pub in Blackpool or someone's house and celebrate Blackpool Pride kind of virtually. And I don't know why, but it was a, a culmination of things. And it just really made me realise that I don't really have a network of queer women around me I have some people on Instagram that I follow I have like obviously my partner um we have a couple of like queer female friends but you know none that we see often or, or things like that and I know other queer women like in Blackpool but I never really meet up with them um and I don't know it just I basically felt very sad <laughs> I mm. felt very like you know I've come out at the age of 32 so I came out you know less than three years ago I should be celebrating this part of me and I just felt like there was no space for me to go I ended up downloading a lesbian app with full permission from my partner to meet a friend you know like anyone in Blackpool who was saying like oh are there, there girls that want to meet for a drink I actually did find someone but she'd then make other arrangements and we're going to meet up soon for a drink um you know on a French penny basis but yeah it was just weird and and so it it was at the same time someone was posting on Instagram stories like why do we feel like we're the only queer people like in our town and, and it's like all these couples seem to be around the country these lesbian couples just like without these friendship groups mm. um and yeah so it kind of sparked something in me which was a bit random but felt very aligned and for those of you who follow the podcast for a while I used to do coaching and let's say it wasn't the easiest path for me it, it never quite clicked in terms of um not the actual coaching itself but the process um everything felt quite forced I didn't really enjoy the trying to sell myself to get clients and all that it's just not it's just not me it came from a very male energy and um and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to just set up group coaching for queer women um, and see what happens mm. because I just feel that there's a need for it and I need it. Yeah. And um, and yeah, so I just kind of 
I've been figuring out that really like and, and through that I've also found different groups and stuff the only problem is a lot of them are in major cities so if anyone's listened to this queer woman like reach out follow me on Instagram I am Verity Brown because yeah it's very much it feels like a city thing I mean it Definitely. was one of the things I do think is quite interesting for you is because you used to live in London mm. and because the, the whole thing about pride so I'm very like my background from what when I was about 16 like I ended up being having a lot of male gay friends and so yeah. pride is something that I've always done loads of activities around like it feels super weird last year not to go to pride in London like I've gone every single year for like I don't know 11 years and so it's I totally get this thing about this big cities having that vibe having much bigger communities and having lots of activities in it then when you leave that it feels very very different and the thing like even for me coming back to Nottingham like one of my quite a few of my friends my male gay friends that are from Nottingham was like I'd never come back because like the mm. life they live in London is just like so different and like, I imagine for you like when you're looking at stuff you see like much bigger activity happening like in Manchester for example mm. I've had fabulous nights out in Manchester uh, actually my yeah. last night out was in Manchester <laughs> except for the DJ ruined it because he wouldn't play a Beyonce song and then here we are 16 months later and I still haven't been able to go out so when I ever <laughs> see that DJ I'm gonna get him I think it's interesting what you said about London you know again for any new listeners me and Sherelle both have had our years in London Sherelle much longer than me but when I lived in London I didn't realize well I did realize but I I pushed it so far down I wasn't out I went on one date with a girl in London and then literally just before I left London I told my best friend the very first person in the world that I like women And I was literally about to leave London. And so I do have a little bit of heartache about that because it would have been so amazing to immerse myself into that queer culture. Mm. And I just think, but I just, I didn't know. I didn't, I just, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure any queer women will kind of get where I'm coming from. It's hard to explain, but yeah. So um, it's interesting, but it's also interesting that there's so few like lesbian bars in the world like in the world there's like 20 in the world and I've talked to other people about this and like you know like uh, part of the the sort of queer community and a lot of people are like well lesbians generally just find a partner and then they just stay in <laughs> and I'm like really such a stereotype, such a stereotype, stereotype. But, but it is the stereotype that's out there I will definitely say that's true a true stereotype that exists in the world yeah but I'm thinking as marketers, Sherelle, if we look at it that way, if there's, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of gay women out there. So surely there's space for bars, but obviously if they don't want to go to them, yeah. then there's no but, point in opening them. It's weird. Yeah. But also there's a whole thing around, you know, people will see something that's successful and we, you know, we'd say if someone's already got a successful business, you can have space for another one. So like mm. actually when you when there's because there are a lot of male gay bars but then you think we have there's a stereotype around they've all got this disposable income they're out every night they just want to have fun so then it encourages more of them to be opened whereas actually what we probably need is more successful examples of queer women bars to be open to then be like fine let's make more of them but um hopefully (laughs) but I'm really excited about the program um I actually hadn't told me about it I just saw her post on Facebook I was like oh my gosh what's happening but I think again it's this sometimes things go full circle when you realize that there is definitely 
times in our life when we do certain things and it feels forced and then it can come back round and like this thing of just remembering all your skills and actually we can use them in different ways and being really mm. open to this change and it ties in perfectly with the book that I have been reading so for book club if anyone doesn't know I run Propel Has book club it's a book non-fiction book club for ambitious women and we read in May oh no we trust it in June. We did it in June. I've lost the plot. I don't know where we are. It's because I was reading it in May. The 100-year life, living and working in an age of longevity. And I am always talking about the fact that we need to look after our old lady self. So the, obviously the title really <laughs> pulled me in. You know, I'm all about you got your pension. But this was so much more than just about your pension. Like, yes, there were some great financial modeling questions, but there was actually three characters in the book and they were all born at different times. And so mm. they used them to help show one, this idea of like the three stage life, do education, work, retire. And the first person was old enough that he could just about financially make it work. But the second and third was like, it's not going to happen. And actually one of the reasons why we're all probably so depressed about trying to have a pension is we're trying to make that model work and it only worked when you used to have to work for, say, 45 years. So you worked from 20 to 65. And then you probably only had 10, 15 years of retirement. But now that some of us could be looking at 30 years of retirement, the financials just don't work out. So we need to look mm. at life from a very different perspective. But what was really interesting for me was it was so much more than just the money. Actually, they really talked about, you know, choosing partners, like actually how we're choosing partners now when we think we're going to be living a lot longer. And that is a different thing about our friendships, like how they're important to us about work. And actually, yeah, maybe if you are going to be working for longer, then does that mean we should get more work that is fulfilling? Should we be education? Our education cannot last us the whole time anymore. Technology is changing. Like we all know new jobs are coming into place. The jobs we have right now might disappear. So having a degree is not going to last you the whole time. Like actually, do we all mm. need to just treat it as normal now that after 20 years you retrain? Like that's the thing, like, you know, Verity, like you going back to this coaching thing was like, because you did, you trained to be a coach and that is a skill that you have didn't get when you just graduated you know you took a time mm. out later on in your career and that has given you something else to be able to use you've got another string in your bow and actually all of us need to be taking this time you know I didn't have a marketing degree actually I didn't do my professional training marketing until I was like I think eight years into my career so and now I'm already starting to think well what would be the next thing I'd want to do we can't expect our education to last us a whole lifetime anymore and our jobs are going to change and we've got to be adaptable. And the, for me, the book was just so great at helping us just think, what are we going to do differently? And actually it was really freeing. Like, actually, I thought to myself, well, if I am going to be working until I'm like 75, then what is the harm if I take a year off now? Actually, like, oh, yeah. like and that, but that difference, and it talked about how, you know, before we'd all think, about like we'll just have a gap year and we'll just work and then we'll retire and all of our enjoyment and focus of like relaxation was on retiring but it's like now leisure is such a different thing and actually if we want to be healthy when we're old what do we need to do also it's not healthy to retire for that long and not be mentally stimulated so finding this balance and, it, and you know I'm really passionate about work-life balance in general not I think we think of everything a bit too fixed and we're looking at the week and I'm always like, you know, for me, like my whole thing is much more about the year and really enjoying summer. And I'm like, well, I'll work all winter. I don't care. And so now I thought, well, how would that approach look if I treated it to my whole life? 
you know what I mean? How would, if I didn't think, rather than thinking like my summer is the end and that's when I have all the time and I have all the money, I'm like, great. If I try to spread it out much more evenly across my years, how would that look? So I found it, and it was a really good book in terms of like very um, financially, not financially, well researched, real good mm. um, like backings and stuff, but also very, very much about like actual health and well being and really thinking about people's like vitality. And it was saying like life, having a longer life will be a curse for some people. There is absolutely no doubt about that. But if you plan and if you embrace it, then it absolutely can be a gift. And I really think that's true. And, you know, I want every single, if you are listening right now, I really, really want you to like definitely check out this book because I just think a long life will be a curse if people aren't prepared. And this book really helped open my eyes to think about what some different things could be. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. It's just like something to add on to that that I always think about. I always find the subject of retirement a bit of an odd thing. Um, you either hear people saying they can't wait to retire or you hear people saying that they never really want to retire because they've seen others' demise through retirement, through, like you say, that lack of mental stimulation. And again, I wonder if do we need to start approaching that differently and first of all, doing work where we never really want to retire from it but we can if we want to you know it's not like this like oh gosh I can't wait to retire like I hate this job and secondly you know do we does it become more natural to do part-time retirement or semi-retirement you know like all those things where you get to a ripe old age of something and you get to choose your life again like you get to um cherry pick you know I, I sort of see it as a reward you've put a decent 60 65 years into <laughs> into life into earth and then you get to be like Do you know what I want to I want to carry on doing 10 hours a week because I want my brain to keep ticking over I don't really need the money I've got all that set up but you know I want to um stay integrated in society you know I can't imagine retiring at 65 and living to 90 not working for 25 years I'd be bored stiff well also after you've worked for so long that that's become the norm because you've had mm. such a heavy work life until then. So then actually then it becomes a bit overwhelming. Just because you mentioned like, you know, semi-retirement, different ways of looking at it. I remember there's a bit in the book from um, Mexican billionaire Carlos Slim, who believes that society should transition towards a three-day working week with each day made up of 11-hour shifts and you'd have to work to 75 but his argument is because then everyone would have a four-day leisure time so it's like we're working longer you have long days but you have four days so like you'd have this actual block of time all of your life to be able to do things and then all of a sudden if you took three days off you'd have 11 days so if you wanted to go on holiday you easily could like go on these holidays and it it was a very different way of thinking of just being like actually how do you and it also depends on you like how do you re-energize what helps you to feel like you've had a break like how do you want to enjoy your time and so if some, some people are like I couldn't do 11 hours but I remember when I was in London that I absolutely thought it would be better to work longer days and have more days off because I sort of wasted my evenings half the time anyway mm. like or you'd come home and you're so tired you just eat dinner and don't do anything that's like do you know what mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't make much of a difference to have worked a slightly longer day and then have got a whole day back for me even if it had been in that sense I was thinking more do four long days and then have a three-day weekend which 
more and more people have been transitioning to anyway so yeah and I think there's there's some professions that already try and test that you know nurses for instance my brother sometimes does three well it's more like 14 hour shifts but you know and yeah he's, he's shattered but then he has his four day weekend or like air hostesses or air stewards um, or cabin crew, sorry, that was very anti-feminist there. Um, cabin crew, you know, they'll do like two weeks on, two weeks off. Mm. And, you know, but yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation. It sounds like an absolutely fascinating book. So we'll we'll bob a link in the show notes for people to uh, have a read of that. Um, in contrast, I, well, it was actually, I actually saw an Instagram post, but then I read an article about the Instagram post, which is probably the most millennial thing I think I'll ever say. Um, but it was, the Instagram post was by Emma Barnett, who is an English broadcaster. She um, is a journalist. She's about to release a book um, on periods. Um, I think she's a sufferer of, I can never say this word, endometriosis, is that correct? Um yeah, and um, she's also a presenter on BBC Woman's Hour on Radio 4. And um, she just took this picture of a brand new toilet that had been built and opened, I assume, at the BBC, but she, did, she kindly didn't say, but let's assume it's at the BBC. Um, and, you know, ladies listening um, or anyone who uses a female toilet, um, there's the toilet cubicle there's a toilet basin and next to it is the sanish towel bin first of all great there's a sanish towel bin I hate it when you go into a toilet and there isn't one or when I've worked places there's only one in certain toilets mm. like because they're trying to save money absolutely terrible um but this sanish towel bin is literally within an inch of its life next to the toilet cubicle and we all know you sit on the toilet and then your thigh your naked thigh brushes the lovely blood stained and whatever covered sanchital bin and I've always thought oh my gosh why do I have such big thighs like if I was just a bit thinner then my flesh wouldn't push up when I sit on the toilet seat and I wouldn't be touching this disgusting sanchital bin and then lo and behold she writes this Instagram post which stylist then took on and wrote an article about about it's not just me Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like every woman we what you know again and it goes back to the to the book that we've both spoke about in past episodes invisible women you know they're not designed for women in mind these these toilet cubicles and um you know the amount of toilets I've been in where it's the, the, there's no foot pedal so I've had to lift it up with my hand and um, there's like meant to be a sensor and the sensor's broken so again I've had to lift it up with my hand it's full it's yeah. overflowing and then I've had to think where do I put this do I put it in a normal bin do I carry it with me do I throw it on the floor like it's it's just a horrible you know when you're on your period you're feeling rubbish anyway so it's like and it was just so interesting something so trivial to most well to men shall we say maybe or those who don't menstruate but yeah it just it was quite interesting the way that it's kind of sparked this like bit of a conversation online about um the design and consideration of of women in our toilets basically I think it's also quite timely because what's interesting is like you know I've so I've been out I think twice now for dinner um and haven't had a year basically of not having to use public toilets yeah like all of those memories come back that you're just like (laughs) oh yeah 
like because you just it's weird because obviously that's not one of the things that we realized we haven't had to deal with over the last year has been oh no I've never had to go to yeah a public toilet but so I think actually that that message coming out as well recently would have felt even more because I think yeah when Mm. you're you're and you've been at home you've now got used to just like actually being in a decent like place of comfort etc etc so all of a sudden to be like yeah like it's gross like that's the actual so many times that when I think of like public toilets and just like like you said them broken they're like covered you're just like what how has it managed to get into the state so um I'm glad it got picked up by the stylist and spread I'm I'm very happy for that it just it's just what you said is just reminding me about something I must have a thing about toilets and women but I must be passionate about it but honestly about seven or eight years ago I nearly started in a, a Twitter um profile called if you like it then you should have put a hook on it and it was going to be for women to take photos of doors that do not have hooks on and tag the place where that is because the amount of times I've been like where the hell do I put my bag my coat I'm not putting it on the floor I mean Mm. I'm a total princess I am not putting my stuff on the floor I now wear a bum bag that goes round my shoulder so I don't have to think deal with these issues and I nearly oh my god well everyone knows what I'm like anyway but I nearly you know those little hooks where you don't need like no more nails like you just stick this I nearly went just carried those in my bag to put them on so, she was so I feel very extreme. passionate. But I don't think it's annoying. Oh, no, no. It's massively annoying. And I definitely, <laughs> like, I just had this image where I remember, like, me trying to, like, with my, because usually normally I carry, like, a, across the shoulder type of bag, where I've been trying to get the strap in between where the door shuts and the, like, mm. the side bit, whatever. Like, I've tried to hang it on that. So, like, those flashback memories definitely just came back to me. So I totally, yeah. totally agree with you, but it's just funny <laughs> that you actually wanted to create a whole Twitter about it, that's all. I actually have done it. It would have been huge. I'd have had merch and everything. <laughs> right, well, we're not going to let you have merch for your uh, hand- toilet backdoor hooks, but... <laughs> I am now back on the podcast journey. So uh, the pandemic definitely impacted my listening to podcasts drastically. Mm. But since I've moved, I, uh, I'm going on my daily walks and I've been like inspired to get back into podcasting. And so I went back to a good old classic, which is the Goldinger podcast by Jenna Kutcher. But there was an episode that really obviously caught my eye because I think of us doing our figuring money out series but it was the difference between financial wholeness and financial freedom um and it's by Tiffany who goes by the name of Budget Nista and I think Mm. the reason why I really wanted to actually mention it was because Tiffany firstly was really honest about even though now she runs this big personal finance empire she didn't have it all together but this idea of like financial freedom, which wasn't something we covered in the po- in the episodes at all, is definitely a topic. Like as a woman in the entrepreneur space, it gets br- pushed around a lot. Being financially free—that's what everyone's dreaming of. But what I really liked was this idea of like financial wholeness. Is every single person, no matter how much money you can have, can be aiming to have financial wholeness it's a very like actually that's something that we should all be looking for rather than necessarily financial freedom is only for like a certain percentage of people and actually there are people who have masses of wealth but their financial wholeness isn't in a good place and like Tiffany was really honest in this episode where she said actually she looked and like when she was 25 or 26 she was in a good place and actually 
she got to a point where because her business had built so much she had all this money but everything else wasn't supporting her anymore so like she was saying for example like she still had her mum on her bank accounts and her life insurance had been based on like her first condo that was like so many like hundreds of thousands but now all of a sudden she's living in this massive house didn't have enough insurance for that hadn't got an estate hadn't got a will hadn't just done any of the planning and didn't have like the right insurances and just all these types of things and it really made me just think that actually that's a conversation that's not had like and we didn't have that conversation actually about how are you looking at money as a whole and no matter where you are it's about understanding like it's not about the money in your bank account but it's about all everything around you and ensuring that you have got the right structures and the right setup and you are like protected and just like really understanding all the different elements of money and how they all work together so it was a real like personal on it and Tiffany's hilarious she, they say at the beginning like this is the most fun episode you're gonna have and I was like yeah yeah whatever but she did actually make me laugh a lot like okay. she's full of energy full of bubbles so definitely I think whether I think if you've ever just questioned about how you feel about money in a different way like it's not like woo woo it's not money mindset but it's definitely just about like feeling in control of your finances but not necessarily from a very like technical just building wealth sort of sense of thing so yeah if you want to know a bit more about building some financial wholeness definitely go and check it out it's episode 447 of the gold digger podcast and we will stick a link in the notes i will listen to that gosh 447 that's a lot of episodes isn't it she's been doing it for for a while also um, she does two episodes a week i think i'm pretty sure i just so. she yeah, yeah, and has like a massive team chat. Uh, not better hashtag. Um, so we um, we're going to close with uh, what I've been watching. So I have been watching a discovery of witches. I think I watched the first series when it first came out, but because I have the worst memory in the world, I can't actually remember. And the reason I can't remember is because I actually read the books. That's how I discovered A Discovery of Witches. And um, so they're by Deborah Harkness. And because I'm a geek, I actually went to a lunch with a Deborah Harkness um, a few years back and she signed my book. And I just need to say this. I just need to say this to anyone listening. She was like, oh, oh my gosh, your name is so English. I love it. I'm going to use it in the next thing I do. So if she brings out a book and there's a verity in it, I inspired her. I just need to say that. Um, but yeah, so I love it. It's basically, I would say it's a grown-up. Um, oh my gosh, what's it called? Twilight. Twilight, which I've never watched. Um, it's a grown-up Twilight uh, about witches, vampires and demons. It sounds a bit fluff. But actually it's just a really beautiful story um and I just love it and I'm watching it with my mum and I wasn't sure how she'd find it because you know she loves very much loves the northern dramas by like Kay Mella like that type of thing and I thought oh she might just be like oh this is ridiculous already and she's like can't wait to watch the next episode so um yes yeah, so there's two series out now we're watching it on Netflix I'm pretty sure um but yeah really really recommend it um I love both the lead protagonists as well they're they're really great at what they do and a really diverse cast which is something that I hope not to have to say one day but still it's something that's very lovely to see um in terms of representation for everyone so uh yeah yeah there's lesbians and there's everything it's brilliant (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, we are going to end with a nice life prompt, which is inspired by the book. You've not, you've got six weeks. You've not had to be challenged with thinking, people. So mm. I hope, I hope, the, I hope you've been filling your own journal with lots of questions. I hope it hasn't gone totally dead. But inspired by the hundred year life, we're going to ask, how would you treat your life differently if you thought you'd live to a hundred? Because, as I said, I read this for book club of the, of the month, and what was so interesting to me was how many people before just hadn't really thought they were going to live that long. And like, I don't know how old most people think they're going to live, but I think most of us don't think it's that long. So actually, once you really think, could I live to a hundred? It does change some of the thoughts you have. So just to repeat, how would you treat your life differently if you thought you'd live to a hundred? Get mm. writing, send snaps, let us know on the DMs and the Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's quite well. Like everything, I think your questions are brilliant, Charlotte. When you come up with them, I'm always like, "Ooh, that's a trigger one," or "That's a hard one," or "I really need to figure that one out." So yeah, definitely let us know. But yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Free and Figuring It Out. Same on Facebook, or we are on email Free and Figuring Out at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Free and Figuring It Out. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next installment. And if you want to be a superstar, please leave us a review. Or you can get in touch with us. Drop us an email at freeandfiguringitout at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.